Well, as always, thank you so much to all of those who have helped to put our worship service together. Uh, for Tom Huber, who was our liturgist this morning, for our special music from Derek Simons, for our praise team and Wesley Choir, who uh, have our music worship leadership, and for Gary Brubaker, who puts all of our music together. Thank you. And for those who have been in our in-person worship services as ushers and greeters and liturgists, thank you. As we um, begin this new series this morning, um, we're going to talk about Jonah. Um, now, it's a book that's fairly short. It's just four chapters, and really, most chapters have about 10 verses. Now, the exception, of course, is this morning, which has 17 verses, um, and then the last chapter has 11. Um, but it's a fairly short book. It could probably take maybe about 10 minutes for you to read, um, for a quick read. Of course, there's so much that's in there. Um, there's things that maybe that you didn't learn as children when you heard this story, or maybe you've never heard the story before. And so it's a short book, and it's also really full. And there are so many different ways to interpret it. So we'll talk a little bit about the book itself and also what it offers to us. How does this story full of disrupt disruptions speak to anything today? I mean, we don't know anything about disruptions today. Well, let's see what we have to learn today. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, <clears throat> Jonah. Now, Jonah is a book in the Old Testament that's one of the prophets. Um, and first things first, you know, let's just name some things about this book. Um, for some people, it's a really difficult book. Um, and in part, just about the ways to interpret it. So, um, in fact, it has been interpreted really differently throughout history. For sometimes in Christian history, it has been interpreted um, as history, and at other times it was interpreted as a piece of fiction. And still, um, it's been interpreted in many different ways. Sometimes it's called a fable, or a legend, or a myth, um, or satire, or a midrash, which is kind of an interpretation on scripture, or um, an adding to, um, fleshing out some more details of scripture. Sometimes it's been called a parable, Sometimes it's a comedy or sometimes it's a tragedy. So if you don't know what to do with this, sometimes you are in good company. And for some people, they need the story to be a literal and true story that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish and then preached to the people of Nineveh. And for some, this story needs not be literally true. In fact, they don't believe that it's literally true. They don't believe that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish, and that's an impossible part of the story. Now, the truth is, wherever you are in that, um, there's also some who say that this doesn't have anything to say about anything at all. So, I mean, those are kind of three of the, the big ways of interpretation. And you may be in one of those places, or maybe none of them, and know that no matter where you are, you're not alone. Regardless of how you read and interpret this book of the Bible, it's important to hear what the message is from God and what we learn about God and God's people through the story. 
Now, there are several things that we learn throughout this book that are present in every chapter throughout the whole, um, the whole of the book of Jonah. Um, a few of these big themes and messages. One is that God delivers, and God is ready to deliver those who turn to God. So that's one of the big, one of the big themes. Um, the other is that God isn't just for one particular group of people. In fact, throughout the book of Jonah, we see uh, people who are not considered to be God's chosen people or Israelites or the people of Israel, but those who were pagans or those who um, seem to be opposing God, who God also listens to. So that God isn't just for one particular group of people. Another theme from this book is that God's grace is available to everyone. Now, that seems like it should be self-explanatory, but sometimes we have a difficulty with that, especially if for that lesson that was just above that God is, for, is not just for any one particular group of people. Sometimes we have a hard time remembering that God's grace is for everyone, and sometimes we have a hard time remembering that God's grace is for ourselves. One of the other themes is that God is present and God is powerful. That God listens to prayers and those who pray, no matter who they might be. God is patient. That is a really good thing. And I think that the other thing that this book teaches us is how to respond to disruptions. Now, I think disruptions are different than interruptions. I mean, because if you're interrupted, you go back to whatever it is that you were doing. I mean, as a child, did you ever get told, don't interrupt the grown-ups when they're talking? And then they go back and continue talking, right? Um, or when something happens to you and you're interrupted, you usually can go back to whatever it was, it was that you were doing. But I think a disruption is something that causes us to stop and do something differently. So, you know, did anybody ever have on their report cards disrupts the classroom? Not me, I was a great student. I may know people, but did, you know, um, in a classroom setting, um, if you interrupt, the teacher can usually go on um, and continue on as previously. But if you disrupt, you can't just go back. You might need to calm things down, or it might need a different approach. Now, throughout the book of Jonah, there are different responses to disruptions. In fact, there are different kinds of disruptions all throughout the book. And I think that they offer a glimpse and, and give us some ways on how to deal with disruptions in our own lives, even today. I mean, you know, I said at the beginning, do we know about disruptions? And y'all... Um, we know about disruptions. I mean, if the past two years have been any indication, but the truth is we knew about disruptions before this. There are always things that have disrupted our lives and, and made us stop and think and maybe have to do things differently. So how do we deal with those disruptions and how do we learn about them through Jonah? Well, so we're looking today just at the first chapter of Jonah, and it's the longest chapter of the book at 17 verses. It opens the story. So it opens this whole story where God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. 
and to preach the good news to the people of Nineveh. And instead, Jonah went in the complete opposite direction. So far that um, if Jonah were to go where he was to Nineveh, it would have been about 600 miles to get to Nineveh, but instead he travels about 2,000 miles in the opposite direction. And um, he goes to Tarshish. And it's mentioned three times in that, that he went to Tarshish, to Tarshish, to Tarshish. That is a tongue twister. Um, and so, I mean, this is, um, it is hitting the point home that Jonah didn't go where he was supposed to go and instead went the complete opposite direction. And so he not only, if he would have traveled to Nineveh, it would have been on land, but instead he goes on a boat. And while he's on the boat, a storm kicks up so badly. Um, and um, Jonah, you know, falls asleep. Uh, but this, the um, boat's crew are very concerned and um, they, uh, who are also, they're pagans. Um, so they're not Israelites. They're not um, people of Israel. They're not Jewish people. They're not people of this same faith or follow Yahweh God. Um, but they ask Jonah, um, can you pray to your God so that we might be saved? And, um, you know, there's, there's accusations and there's questions of, you know, why is this happening? And part of their mentality was if something like this has happened, it must mean that someone has made the gods angry. And so, um, so they ask about it and, um, Jonah's like, ah, so here's the thing. It's probably me. <laughs> Um, so Jonah confesses that he's probably the reason for the storm and they throw him overboard. Now there's some fun little wordplay in here um, where it talks about the storm. Um, so it says that God hurled the wind or God hurled the storm. Um, and then when the boat crew um, throws Jonah overboard, they hurl him overboard. They use the same words in Hebrew there. Just again, some of these little interesting little tidbits that happen in the story. So Jonah is hurled over, um, over the, um, overboard. And instead of drowning, a big fish swallows Jonah, where he stays in the belly of the fish for three days and for three nights. And that's the end of chapter one. So, um, that's where we're left. A little bit of history, a backstory for this. Um, so Jonah is called to be a prophet. And a prophet is someone who is called by God, usually almost exclusively, to go to the people of Israel and to tell the people of Israel um, what they're doing and what God needs from them, or what they're not doing and what God needs from them. And so Jonah is usually called to go to go to the people of Israel. And in this case, God says, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Nineveh is not a city of Israel. It is, um, it is uh, called a wicked city. Um, in Nahum, uh, the prophet Nahum, uh, chapter 3, verses 1, which is also in the Old Testament, Nahum calls Nineveh a city of blood, that it's full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. It is a city that is known for killing captives, um, for lying and deceiving their own people, and for oppressing other nations. This is not a friendly city. It is not a city that you might just want to wander into. And so 
there is some understanding of why Jonah would not want to go to a place like this, right? Um, and yet, this is a place and a people that God wants to redeem. God wants to. Jonah doesn't. And so Jonah goes the complete opposite direction. And in a lot of ways, Jonah's normal life and call is disrupted by God. And his response is to run away. And not just a little bit, but to run away as far as possible. Which is an option when we encounter a disruption. It's an option to run away. Now, avoidance is a common way of dealing with conflict. It is not really a healthy way, and yet it's a way that some people deal with conflict. I think we, we always avoid things that are uncomfortable because we want to be comfortable. Sometimes the disruption causes us to stop. And not just like a, a soft stop, like an interruption and keep going, but a hard stop. Anne Lamont has famously said that almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including yourself. Sometimes in order to reset, you need to unplug or hard stop. Sometimes our response to a disruption shouldn't be to run away or avoid it, but to stop and then move forward. Bob Goff, who is an author and a speaker and a civil rights attorney, has a routine that he calls Quit Something Thursday. And every Thursday he quits something in order to continue to make space for something else. Now, if you thought about that and you thought about something that you might quit, quit something this Thursday, what would you quit? Sometimes we need to quit something in order to find out what's wrong in the first place. Sometimes we need a disruption for us to be able to see things clearly. And it's not just about quitting, but it's also about listening to God to remind us who we are. God doesn't leave us in the middle of the disruption. That's evident throughout the whole book of Jonah, that God is present all the way through. And this shift and change is not something that happens overnight. This reset um, isn't something that happens immediately sometimes. I mean, we didn't get to be who we are and where we are overnight either. And sometimes this journey will be very easy. And sometimes we might feel stalled or stuck or maybe even like we're going backwards. And so if you quit something, maybe you start small Maybe your quit something Thursday is, I am going to quit spending time arguing on Facebook. Or I'm going to quit sleeping in and drink coffee at the kitchen table instead of my car. Or maybe it's something bigger. I'm going to be, I'm going to stop being angry at this particular person. Maybe I'm, I'm going to stop wasting money. Or maybe I'm going to quit hiding who I am. Maybe you start small and work up to the bigger. And you celebrate every step along the way. Disruptions, they're not inherently bad necessarily. 
Sometimes it's our reaction to them is what makes them hurt. And the only way to encounter a disruption is not to run away from it, but to actually go through it. And there's not really an easy way. We can't just jump on a boat and go the complete opposite direction because sometimes we'll be hurled overboard. I mean, we create a lot of easy ways of how to do things. And sometimes we create our own suffering when we avoid things. And then sometimes we get hurled off a boat. Glennon Doyle, who is an author and a speaker, she talks about pain as a hot potato, that it's not a hot potato that we have to try and get rid of, but actually a traveling professor that comes to everyone. What creates kindness and wisdom and bravery, overcoming pain and overcoming those disruptions. Maybe as human beings, we have the wrong description. Maybe we've been trying so hard to help others avoid pain or even avoid our own pain. And maybe that's not our job description as humans. Maybe it's not to avoid pain, but to walk through it together. We have to go through the pain to get through the other side. And in this journey, we are never alone. God is with Jonah throughout this whole story from the beginning to the end. Jonah tries to run from God, but God doesn't run from Jonah. And we might try and run from God, but God doesn't ever run from us either. The disruptions we experience in life can help to reveal to us who we are and where God has been with us the whole time. So may we be open to these lessons and may we not avoid them. Amen.